When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. The clock is ticking as England's Euro 2020 campaign rapidly approaches, but time is up. Trent Alexander-Arnold. The Liverpool defender is out of the Euros after limping off in Wednesday's warm-up friendly with Austria. There were a few queries as to whether Southgate would even take Trent to the tournament. Now he isn't able to as the three Lions' four right-backs become three. But the question is, who will the England boss select as Alexander-Arnold's replacement? Is there an obvious choice amongst the axed seven who can fill Trent's spot? We'll discuss on today's Football Social Daily ahead of England's final warm-up game with Romania on Sunday. There's also a spot that needs filling at Tottenham. The vacant manager's job is still up for grabs after Spurs sacked Jose Mourinho and they could go for another former Chelsea man as his replacement. Antonio Conte has allegedly been approached by the club to take on the role, but will he be the right choice with Pochettino still in the frame? Plus, we take a look at the latest goings-on in what will be a turbulent summer, no doubt, at Crystal Palace here on Football Social Daily. Not quite daily at the moment as we draw breath ahead of a tournament summer, but when the Euros do begin in just one week from today, we'll be back to bringing you daily shows throughout the week. So make sure you hit follow or subscribe or whatever it is, however you listen to your podcasts, and that way you won't ever miss one. I'm Niall McCorn, and joining me today on the show, we've got Boyle Sports, Leon Blanche. How are you doing, Leon? Are you geared up for the Euros? Yeah, look, um, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, Ireland are not there um, because we weren't good enough, but certainly really looking forward to looking at the Euros. And there's some really intriguing games already in the group stages. And the Euros, for me, it's very hard to call a winner. So I'm going to be fascinated to see who will eventually come out on top. Yeah, I think Portugal and France are the two strongest teams. But interestingly enough, they're in the group of death. They're both in the same group as each other. And that group also contains Germany. So there's going to be some big boys knocked out early doors. Although the, the new qualification system means that a third place team can get through the group. It's all a bit strange the way the Euros is being done this year. Anyway, we'll be here for it no matter what on Football Social Daily. Also joining us today, Marley Anderson. How's that botched tan coming along, mate? Um, it's not too bad. It's it's starting to fade now, um, which is good because I've got my uh, my first COVID jab today. 
Um, and I'm also thinking, like, if if they just see this massive sunburnt arm coming towards them, they're going to think, what is this <laughs> idiot doing? But, yeah, so weird, uh, weird day. You've inadvertently revealed your age there, Marley, by saying that you've got a coronavirus jab today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're doing under 30s now, it's all right. <laughs> Let's start with the big Premier League news over the last 24 hours. Before we do talk about England and that unfortunate injury to Liverpool's Trent Alexander-Arnold. But the news is coming out of Tottenham Hotspur, who allegedly, according to many news sources, have made contact with Antonio Conte to fill their vacant manager's seat. Of course, Spurs sacked Jose Mourinho in the wake of the European Super League drama just a couple of months ago and between then and the end of the season it was Ryan Mason the former Tottenham player who stood in as interim boss he's going to return to his academy role so there is a vacancy that needs to be filled there at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium Antonio Conte won the Premier League with Chelsea won the FA Cup with Chelsea has just won Serie A with Inter Milan Leon do you think he'd be a good fit for Spurs well he's a born winner um, and that's I think that's a guarantee um, I'm a huge fan of Conte he demands an awful lot from his players, from his staff. He never looks happy, even when he's winning. But um, I think he's had a tremendous football career as a player and as a coach. And someone like him is maybe what Spurs need. He will bring a lot of discipline to the club. There'll be no messing around. And, you know, he's been there before in the Premier League. And that's a big plus We we mentioned this last week on the podcast that Spurs are going to need someone who knows what the Premier League is all about. Um, we thought it would have been Poch coming back. Um, and I think Spurs fans on the whole would have been happy uh, with Maurizio Pochettino returning to the club. But I think with Antonio Conte, Spurs fans have got to realise, OK, look, he managed Chelsea, but you've got to look at his record when he was at Chelsea. It was very impressive. And to win Serie A, win into Milan, we all know the reason why he's leaving Milan is because the club is in financial turmoil. And for him to come back to the Premier League, I think he would be a good addition. Um, who's going to be left there for him? And what type of funds will he have to strengthen the squad? They're the two big questions that kind of lie over Spurs at the moment. It looks as if they're going to lose their star man, Harry Kane. But who else is going to leave? And who is he going to be able to bring in? Because they are the big questions. Conte got extremely um, a great return out of Romelu Lukaku. Could Lukaku follow him back to play with Tottenham? Who knows? I know he's been rumoured to rejoin Chelsea. But I think Conte is not a bad appointment if Spurs get him. He is a winner. And I think he will, he will set Spurs up in a way that they'll be very difficult to beat but they're also very dangerous on the counter-attack. It's a good point you make about what Daniel Levy said um, about trying to bring back attacking football and flowing football to Spurs, something that they felt they were missing under Jose Mourinho. And I would argue, well, that's what you get when you appoint Jose Mourinho. So why are they complaining about it? You know exactly what you get when you appoint him as manager. That's a different story. Also, Antonio Conte is a manager who, as Leon says, enjoys spending a bit of cash, Marley. Do you think that will be a sticking point with Daniel Levy? Because, as we know, the market is going to be slightly different this season due to the effects of coronavirus and, of course, the Euros as well. So, you know, you don't really know what might happen next. Uh, it, it certainly seems like it's going to be a sticking point because, you know, Levy isn't the most... Uh... You know, he's quite stringent with his funds, you you would sort of uh, think. And even though they've got Kane probably leaving for maybe 100 million quid, is that enough to 
to transform this Spurs squad into something where Conte wants it to be if he if he is the man in charge and I'm not really sure it's enough um, in terms of what they need. I think they need an entire new defence. Um, I think they need to... I mean, Mourinho started it and alluded to it that there needs to be a mentality change at that club and that doesn't come you know, quickly and, and cheaply either because you have to you have to all be on the same page. I think Spurs are a bit of a um a fractured club at the minute and they're all they're at they're at a crossroads in my opinion. I think they're they're on the verge of slipping sort of off the edge of the cliff type of thing because they've had no success and that has now um culminated in Kane wanting to leave. Um Son might follow him. I think there's been talks of him signing a new contract. I think they're trying to, to tie him down as quickly as possible because they can see what's coming, um, which is him leaving if Kane leaves. So, um, yeah, the, the the Conte and Levy thing doesn't strike me as a partnership that is that is you know made in heaven sort of thing. Because we said when Mourinho came in, you know Mourinho and Levy is like you know sticking two firecrackers in a wheelie bin and just letting them you know fire off at each other sort of thing. <laughs> I, th- I think it's similar with Conte. Um, something's going to have to give. Conte is not an easy man to work with. He's very, very demanding. He's very passionate. He's also very talented. So I think it all just comes down to... I think Mourinho would have had more freedom had the results just been a bit better on the pitch. Um, if Conte can get that, get those wins, and it, this is all obviously if he does come in, but if he can pair that with with being demanding and saying, "Look, I'm being competitive with this poor squad, but you know, I need more," then then he's got the basis to do it. But I think Mourinho just fell short on that front. So if he does come in, it'll be another one to watch because it's it's one of those really intriguing things of of who backs down. Um, and I I would be tempted to say it won't be Antonio Conte. Certainly make the second series of their documentary interesting if he did pitch up <laughs> in North <laughs> London. I mean, Daniel Levy, the Tottenham chairman, we talk about him a lot. He's such a stubborn character, Leon. Obviously, there's this thing he's got where he doesn't like to do business with Chelsea in terms of signing players. However, it didn't really come to the fore when he was appointing Jose Mourinho. He was quite happy to take on a former Chelsea boss. If he does do that again and takes on Antonio Conte, how do you think Chelsea fans will feel about it? Do you think they'll be too bothered because they go through managers at such a rate of knots? It's sometimes hard for them to really get up in arms about anything. I don't think Chelsea fans are going to be worried who goes to Tottenham Hotspur after just being crowned champions of Europe. Um, (laughs) They've got quite a good guy in the hot seat right now in Thomas Tuchel. So I think Chelsea uh, fans are quite satisfied with who's leading their team at the moment. But I think Daniel Levy or Daniel Levy He's got to realise he's made a couple of mistakes um, in the past number of appointments that he's made. I thought he made a big mistake getting rid of Pochettino in the first place. And then he made a huge and even bigger mistake appointing Jose Mourinho. So whoever comes in next, it might just be a shifting of power somewhat in that kind of Tottenham Hotspur kind of hierarchy. Because if they go for someone like Conte, Conte's going to be number one. And if Levy tries to come in and and tries to kind of stifle him, it's not going to work. And I think Spurs fans now are just praying that whoever comes in, it's got to be the right choice. And I agree with Marley. We said it last week. This is a defining moment in that club's history. If they get this wrong, they could find themselves in big, big trouble because they're a million miles away from winning the Premier League at the moment, in my opinion. They're even a good bit off top four. 
So for a club of that stature, with the fantastic new stadium that they have, the last thing that they want to be uh, end up doing is finishing mid-table. And that's not a million miles away. If they get this decision wrong, Spurs could end up finishing mid-table, just like Arsenal. Because a lot of a lot of decisions at big clubs have gone wrong recently. And this is a massive one. But I honestly think it's got to be Conte or Pochettino. I don't think there's anybody else that should be going in as Tottenham Hotspur's next manager. And it doesn't look like Pochettino is going to come back. So I think Conte is the most realistic. I think he's the best option. I think he's a very, very talented coach. The players will know exactly what he wants from them. He'll, they will know exactly how he wants to play. He gets it across very easily. Um, some players thrive on it. Some players go the other way. But I think Conte, at the moment, on who's available, I think he's the best fit for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Talking about the way that Conte wants to play, three at the back is his renowned formation, his preferred formation. And let's not forget, he managed to win the Premier League with Marcos Alonso and Victor Moses as wing-backs at Chelsea. So he must be doing something right. Do Spurs have the personnel, Marley, to play at th- a three at the back at the moment? Or will, again, that require Daniel Levy getting his checkbook out? Uh, I, I actually think they do. Um, if you look at Doherty, you know, at, at right back right wing back you know at Wolves he played wing back for for years and he was one of the best in the league at it so if you compare that to to Chelsea when he came in when Conte came in at Chelsea and he he sort of went right he was going to play right wing back and he ended up with Victor Moses but Victor Moses turned into one of the the most dangerous players Chelsea had at, at that time because he, he adapted to the role really well um where Do- so Doherty fits in um, I certainly think Regalon on the other side can can do a similar job um, he's got great quality with his crossing and his, his attacking ability. So the problem would be getting three centre-backs that can defend because they haven't got any really <laughs> at the minute. I think, um, you know, De Vincent Sanchez has had all sorts of problems and he's he's never really looked consistent. I think Eric Dyer's always done that throughout his career as well. And Toby Alderweireld is, is knocking on now and there's talks of him leaving and all the rest of it. So you've probably got to get that sorted out. Um, and then you can you can patch together the team further forward, which should be an easier job because you've got you know plenty of attacking talent there, um, and you know we'll we'll see what he what he goes for. But he's he's done well, Conte, with with his um, recruitment at, at Inter. You know he he was signing um, sort of forgotten Premier League players um, at one point. I think he signed uh, did he sign Damian, and then he signed Ashley Young. Um, and he was linked with basically everyone that was leaving the Premier League. He was linked with them at some point. It was it was proper strange, but um, I think he's certainly got the chance. The only thing I would say is um, when Conte came in, I think at, at first he played a back four. I think he played four three three, and it wasn't going well for Chelsea. And he changed it to the back three, um, and he changed the Premier League because everybody hadn't really seen the, the 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 back three in sort of twenty sixteen, and it wasn't a a place it wasn't a formation that you signed you sort of seen every week so everyone took a while to get used to it and everyone kind of got shocked by it and now you fast forward five years there's not a team in the Premier League with the possible exception of Burnley who haven't played with a back three at some point because they're all they've all seen it as a as a tactic and a way to go um so we'll I think it'll be maybe a different story if um he does come in and try and do the same again because people are more used to it but He's a fantastic coach. He's definitely one of the best in the world. So 
you wouldn't back against him coming up with some sort of solution and, and making the team run through walls if they're uh, if they're up for it. Might even see a back three in the Euros this summer being played by Gareth Southgate and England. Talking of former Chelsea managers, a surprise contender for the Everton job has emerged in Maurizio Sarri. He's also in talks with Lazio at the moment, so apparently we'll find out by today or tomorrow whether he's going to take that Lazio job or he might stick around to take on the reins at Goodison Park. A little bit more on that story on our website, sport-social.co.uk. Go and check it out for all the latest Premier League news. So finally then on this, Tottenham in talks with Antonio Conte. Maurizio Pochettino has expressed a desire to come back to North London and manage the club. PSG aren't too keen on letting him go. If you had the choice as a Spurs fan, Leon, who are you choosing between the two, Poch or Conte? Oh, um, I think I've got to go Conte. Um, I think Pochettino, that's a huge disappointment not being able to win the league with PSG, if I'm being uh, brutally honest. Um, yeah. They should be winning that league, hands down, every Do you think that's dented his stock? Do you think that's damaged yes. his reputation yes. a bit? Yeah, I do. Um, he was totally outclassed by Pep in the semi-final. Um, they looked void of any kind of new ideas. Um, and I think not winning the league, yeah, you've got to question that. Because Lille should not be beating PSG. Let's make no mistake about it. So you've got to go with Conte. He's a league winner. He's just won the league with Inter Milan. Um, he's won the Premier League that Pochettino couldn't do. You just mentioned a couple of players that he had playing for him in that kind of wing-back role. I mean, Conte seemed to get the maximum out of certain players that many football fans looked at and said, well, how is he getting that from them? Why is he playing them there? But they seemed to do a really good job for him. And that's what I like about him. In his system, the way he sets up, players really seem to adapt to it quite quickly and he seems to get the best from them and that's all you can ask from a manager at a football club if you're getting the maximum out of the squad of players at your disposal then you're doing your job and you're doing it um right so for me it's got to be Conte um I never like managers coming back if I have a choice of someone else we thought last week that Poch was the only one out there so in terms of knowing the club when he came back to try and hit the ground running because it is such an important season for the football club as a whole. But I think now that Antonio Conte is available, I think you've got to go for him. What about you, Marley? Are you going for the attractive new girlfriend or are you taking a punt on your ex again? <laughs> uh, well, on the, off on the off chance that my girlfriend listens to this podcast, um, <laughs> I'll go for the... No, honestly, I would I would actually go for, for Pochettino again um, just because... <laughs> Well, number one, I don't. I, I think Conte deserves a better job than Spurs. I think his 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 ability and what he's done in the past five years deserves to have him at a title challenging team. Um, and I don't think Spurs, obviously, Spurs aren't that, and they're nowhere near it really. Especially when you take Kane out of the squad. But yeah, for me, I, I would. I think obviously, if if you can get him, get him fine. But I think the whole sort of club fits Pochettino still I think he can he can come in and everyone can kind of try and forget about that time that he left and you know it's like uh you know taking your ex back like you said after an affair sort of thing he's gone to PSG <laughs> hasn't quite worked out he's realized that PSG wasn't as uh all it was cracked up to be but <laughs> I, I would out of I would try and get him back um because you know he's gonna work um to an extent and you know that it's just about breaking through that barrier then I think Conte 
is much more um uh, what's the word sort of controversial and and hard to work with and I, I can't see it ending well with him and Levy because ultimately if you if you go up against Daniel Levy you'll get a P45 quicker than you'll get your checkbook so <laughs> ultimately I think I, I would go back for, uh, for for Pochettino and just have a bit of harmony at the club because they've gone through a lot of um, ups and downs with, with Mourinho, it didn't work out he's ended up back in Italy um, funnily enough he could have ended up at Inter had he carried on uh, just sitting sitting tight for two or three months. I wonder, wonder where he would end up because um, there was quite a few jobs going in Italy right now. But uh, yeah, so I I would pick I would pick Pochettino, but only because I think it's a more realistic and and safer choice, and I think that's what Spurs could need in a in a time of um, transition. So Tottenham have made contact with Antonio Conte. He could be unveiled as the new Tottenham manager over the weekend. Pochettino also still in the frame, but it looks like the ex-Chelsea boss is the front runner to take the job. That's it from the Tottenham managerial perspective. We're going to talk England next after this break because Trent Alexander-Arnold got injured in the warm-up friendly against Austria and he's out of the Euros. We'll discuss just how big a blow that could be for England after this. Welcome back to Football Social Daily from Sports Social. My name's Niall. I've got Leon and Marley alongside me. And let's talk about England's 1-0 warm-up friendly victory over Austria at the Riverside Stadium in Middlesbrough. The scoreline wasn't the main talking point. It was Bukayo Saka's goal that was the difference in the end against the stubborn Austria side. The big news was towards the end of the game where Liverpool defender Trent Alexander-Arnold limped off. He is out of the Euros, an injury that's kept him out for six weeks or will keep him out for six weeks. Uh, how big a blow is this, do you think, Leon? Because there were a few queries as to whether Alexander-Arnold would even go to the Euros and whether Southgate fancied him in the first place. No doubting his quality, no doubting his talent. But do you think that the England manager's prepared for this situation? Yeah, look, I mean, like he picked kind of four right-backs in his squad. Obviously, they can play. Carl Walker can play in the right side of a three. The other guys can all play as an orthodox right-back or they can play right-wing-back. Um, if you went with a three, I personally think England are better suited with three at the back. Um, but look, Trent is out. It's 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 um it's hard luck on him. Um, nobody wants to see any player miss out on a major tournament because of injury. But it probably gives Gareth Southgate now the option. He selected ten defenders in the initial twenty-six man squad. Me personally, I think that's one or two too many. Um, definitely one too many. And I think now I would be looking at someone like Ollie Watkins because I think England, they're still, Harry Kane is obviously going to play every game barring an injury. And you're still looking for someone to have that capability should England need a player to come off the bench and be able to score a goal. I've been very impressed with Ollie Watkins. And in international football, I think when you possess pace, it really worries um, defensive lines. I mean, the game against Austria, I'm not going to look too much into that particular game. I was a little bit surprised that Austria had over 60% possession of the football. That really um, that really did surprise me. They outpassed England. Um, their accuracy was better than England. So it's definitely something that Southgate will work upon. A lot of those players who started the Austria game, of course, will not be in the first 11. So they didn't do their chances much good in terms of putting their hand up to Southgate for that all-important opening game against Croatia. Um, again, I was impressed with Bellingham. I think this kid has got the world at his feet. Um, he just looks so composed for a young man. 
and most definitely his technical side of his game has improved dramatically since his move from Birmingham City to um, Borussia Dortmund. So he was a shining light for me. But looking at the squad overall, I think Southgate has got to pick an attacking player to replace Trent. I think he's covered enough in the defensive positions. Some might say it's really bad luck, Marley, because Trent Alexander-Arnold almost had a point to prove in the final six weeks of the season with the rumours that he wasn't going to be included in the Euro squad. I thought he had to go personally. It almost seems like... You know, as he was walking off, you could see it in his eyes. He was thinking, oh, you know, just my luck. I've worked my way back into this squad and I'm being taken to the Euros and now I'm out for a long time with an injury. It just feels like almost it was like fate didn't want him to go. So it's terrible luck for the lad. Who replaces him in the squad for you? Leon says Watkins might be a shout. Is there any other players you think that could fill that void? Uh, yeah, you could make a case for any of them, to be honest, because um, the balance of the squad, you know... Except is... Ramsdale, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the balance of the squad is, is such that it's like, it's not an obvious position to that um, has been um, ruled out with, with Trent not going, because you've got, you know, yes, he was a defender, but he wasn't a, a defender who was a key part of the team because you've got three other players that can play his position and you've got other defenders as well. So, like, I would I'd be tempted by Ben White, but I would pick Ben White over Mings. So that's not that's not a, a situation that we're in because Mings is going anyway. So it's you couldn't put him in for, for Trent because you've still got four four defenders there. And no matter what you think of those those defenders, they don't need a replacement unless one of them gets injured. So... I, I think it'll be either Ward Prowse or Lingard that um that gets the nod because I think if you look at Alexander Arnold he's he's covered at right wing back, he's covered at centre back. Um you're looking towards an attacking player and you're saying if Lingard comes in you you know, he plays in the same position as Sancho, Sterling, Rashford, Foden, Mount and mm. or Grealish. So there's relatively little point in taking him, even though he's a good player. The decision's been made on the squad, so I think if he was going to get in the squad, it was be, it would be if one of those was injured or he was picked over them in the first place. So I, I can't see it being him, to be honest. So I'm thinking it might be Ward Prowse um, and give us an extra bit of uh, cover in midfield, which is where the squad's mm. at its weakest. I think in in terms of numbers, there's obviously injury concerns over Henderson. I think he'll take four or five games to get back to fitness anyway. So Which I'd, is I'd, concerning, considering this, the, the Euro yeah. starts in 11 days for England. Yeah, massively. What did he play against Austria? It was like half an hour or something like that, or 40 minutes or something. So, you know, I'd, I'd be I'd be looking at Ward-Prowse, and if not Ward-Prowse, then Watkins as a, as a third striker. But I think Watkins is a bit too far down the pecking order because you've got Kane and Calvert-Lewin, and, and then Rashford can play through the middle as well. So I think mm-hmm. out of everyone, you're probably looking at Ward-Prowse as the, uh, as the most obvious sort of solution yeah I certainly think with the set piece delivery that James Ward-Prowse has then that might be what most people are drawn to in terms of an obvious Trent Alexander-Arnold replacement because obviously Alexander-Arnold's delivery is exceptional and we know how good Ward-Prowse is on set pieces you see you think you say about his set pieces though but he's got to be on the pitch (laughs) do you know what I mean true yeah if he doesn't if if he doesn't start and you have him on the Mm. bench like unless you've got a free kick 85 minutes in you bring him off the bench and say go on as your moment, 
you know, go and go and ping this in the top corner. You know, it's it's mm. a lot of people saying about this, but it, it's not NFL where you can bring on a kicker um, for, <laughs> for a specialist set piece. You know what I mean? It'd be it's yeah. different. So you, you you have to start him on his on his the rest of his attributes, not just his his free kicks. So yeah, it's definitely one to think about. But he does bring that to the squad, I suppose. Bukayo Saka scored the England goal, which turned out to be the winner, Leon. Obviously a very young man, only 19, one of two teenagers in the squad. You've already highlighted Jude Bellingham, who uh, I also thought had an excellent game against Austria. Do you think it will be those sorts of players, those kind of low-key players, for want of a better expression, the ones on the periphery, that might actually make a difference for England when it comes down to it? Well, I'm a huge fan of Saka. Um, I think he's got a really, really exciting future ahead of him. Um He's kind of popped up in big games like for Arsenal. Um, as you rightly said, still only 19, but took his goal well. Um, probably couldn't miss it, to be fair. But at least, you know, he was there in the right position. And he's a player as well for me. If if you're looking at England playing the kind of three at the back, um, I'm not saying he's going to get in front of like Chilwell if he was to play at the left wing back position. But he does offer Southgate a number of options. I've seen him play on the right wing for Arsenal. He's played on the left wing. He's played left back. So he does have um, many strings to his bow. But he's a really exciting talent. He's not afraid to take players on. And sometimes um, in a little bit of a criticism I'd have like with England over kind of a couple of years is that not enough players are willing to go at them one-on-one. You know, and he's one that will do it. I just look at Rashford's form at the moment, and I know Southgate is a big fan of his. I'm a big fan of his also, but his form is not good. We know he's carrying a little bit of an injury as well um, that he's been carrying for a couple of months now towards the back end of the season. Raheem Sterling got his chance in the Champions League final, didn't really produce. So there's a couple of players that will probably won't start the first game. They'll be on the bench. But certainly if the kind of more established names in the squad who play around Harry Kane, if they're not delivering, then I think someone like Saka will get his chance. And all you can do is when you play, you put your hand up and he scored the winning goal. And that's quite important. Um, I didn't think a lot of them done well, but I thought him and Bellingham were the two that have probably said to Selke, if you need me, we won't won't let you down. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like what happened 15 or so years ago when Theo Walcott was a wide-eyed 16-year-old and got included in the England squad by Svenja and Eriksson with a load of experienced campaigners like Beckham and Scholes and Lampard and Gerrard and the like. It, it certainly feels like they feel more integrated even as teenagers into this England setup, which is something I think Southgate does deserve credit for. However, there was one incident during the game, Marley, which you noticed and I'm sure everyone noticed after the replays. Tyro Mings off the ball, a little bit of a shady incident there where he basically just tried to, I don't even know what the like American football tackle, like shoulder tackle, uh, an Austrian player. Um, I'm not even sure how to describe it, to be honest. It just felt like a, a rugby union handoff almost. Um, that's a little bit underhanded and something that he's not going to get away with in the Euros with VAR involved. Yeah, it was uh, it was weird. I, I missed it at the time. Um and then seeing it on, you know, going around on Twitter, like, what the hell is this this guy doing? With like, there was no need to to do it. I think Kaladic is a big guy in up front for Austria, but I mean, you know, defend against him. Don't don't just smash him in the next week. Like, 
I don't. I think v, was VAR even in in operation. I don't think it was. It was it in the, in the friendly. No, but not at Middlesbrough. Yeah, because Middle, <laughs> Middlesbrough haven't got it <laughs> in this championship. But never mind. Um, yeah, he was lucky. He was very lucky because you know if you've seen that, there's even though the ball wasn't come to him, it's it's still an off the ball foul. It's, it's probably it could even be a red card. That that type of um, that type of sort of challenge, if you want to call it a challenge, but. Yeah, it's bizarre what he did, and that's a thing with me for Mings. I think he he does a lot of strange things, um, and he has that like little snap, um, like that that sort of aggression where the switch just flicks and he he goes for someone, um, and I think that is a part of his game which he needs to sort out because I think he relies on his his aggression and his and his size a bit too much. I think he's he lacks. For me, defensive ability. I think I think Ben White and I think there's a lot of players who are who are better than Mings in in my opinion. I think Ben White, Lewis Dunk, Tarkowski, um, Godfrey. They're all um, Michael Keane. They're all better than him in my opinion. But he's got mm-hmm. the, he's got the nod, and then he's doing things like this. And obviously, I'm I'm assuming somebody spoke to him either yesterday or or today about this this challenge that they've seen because. You know, if you do that, the Euros—that's how you make yourself a villain, and that'll yeah. all, that'll all be anybody remembers him for. You no, know, if if even if he goes on to the top of the game and wins trophies, you know, if yeah. he does, if he did something like that, the Euros, you're public enemy number one. And the one mm. thing we know about the English press is they love a villain at major tournaments. You know, they've done yeah. it for years and years, <laughs> and it's easy enough to look at Mings and go, "What the hell is he doing that for?" Because yeah. you know, it's it's it was daft, but. Hopefully yeah. he doesn't do it at the tournament, um, and that's if he even gets on the pitch. Well, David Beckham did it, didn't he? Was it in the 98 World Cup where he kicked out... Uh, was it Pochettino? Simeone. Oh, Simeone. Simeone, yeah. And obviously, Simeone. he was public enemy number one for a whole year, and then United won the treble, and then he married a Spice Girl, and then his career obviously went on this massive upwards trajectory. I don't think Tyron Mings is going to be on the same pathway, unfortunately for him, if he does get sent <laughs> off during the Euros. He'll marry one a little mix next year or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Obviously, England won by a goal to nil against Austria. That was their penultimate warm-up friendly. They do have a final one before Euro 2020 does start in earnest and they take on Croatia in their first game. That comes against Romania on Sunday. Do you think Leon will play a stronger side for that game than the one we saw against Austria? Obviously, plenty of the axed seven, for want of a better expression, were playing against Austria at Middlesbrough. Do you think we'll see a more stronger team with just the, the final friendly before the tournament on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, maybe a stronger team, but it's, you know, like it's a tricky one because obviously Croatia will be keeping an eye on what's happening in England's last warm up game. He won't want to show his hand fully. Um, this cut, I mean, there's two key players, obviously, that, that lack of fitness is a big question mark over Harry Maguire and Jordan Henderson. Now, I personally cannot see how Harry Maguire will make it to face Croatia. So, Southgate's got a decision to make who's going to start in those central defensive um, positions for the big game. And he's got to pick a stronger side, definitely, because I don't think he can afford to kind of pick players who are on the periphery of the first 11. You'll want to get a bit of game time into some of your, your main men who are going to start the game against Croatia. Even if you give some players 45 minutes and 45 minutes, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you've got to, Southgate has got to be thinking now, what is my first 11 for Croatia? And he's got to try and get a few of those onto the pitch against Romania for sure. 
Um, there's a big question mark. Harry Maguire, without a shadow of a doubt for me, in terms of he plays two at the back, Maguire is, is, is a certainty. But Kyle Walker on the three of a back, which is why I think Southgate might go to the three at the back against Croatia if I was him. I think Kyle Walker just gives you that extra added pace when you're playing three. And I also feel if you've got Reese James or if you've got um, Trippier as your w- right wing back, I personally go with James. I think it just gives you a nice balance um, along that side of the pitch. So I hope he plays a stronger side against Romania, but he also doesn't want to show Croatia his full hand. So I don't think the team that starts in the final warm-up game will be a replica of who starts against Croatia. I tend to agree and Romania nowhere near as strong an opponent as Austria are. I think I said on the podcast earlier this week that Austria are probably a tougher proposition than people give them credit for. But anyway, Romania are the opposition in the final warm-up friendly before Euro 2020 begins. England take on Croatia in their first game, but the actual first match of the tournament is just a week today. Of course, Friday today, next Friday, the tournament does begin. And if you do fancy having a flutter on the Euros, Leon and the people over there at Boyle Sports are offering you a £10 no-lose bet on any England game during the tournament. So basically, you can get your money back when you place a £10 bet on any England game during Euro 2020. If your first bet on the match loses, you'll then have a £10 free bet refunded to your account. And you can find out more via the Boyle Sports app or visit boylesports.com. T's and C's apply, 18+. plus. Bet responsibly, begambleaware.org. So it's promising to be an exciting summer, not just because of the Euros, but also from a Premier League context. Loads of clubs seem to be looking for managers. One of those is Crystal Palace, and we'll be talking about the Eagles next here on Football Social Daily. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Make sure you hit subscribe. That way you won't miss an episode of the podcast. Again, we'll be back to five shows a week right throughout the Euros, Monday to Friday. Make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss one. But also we'll be keeping you bang up to date with all the latest Premier League goings on. And there'll be plenty of those at Selhurst Park. Crystal Palace have got a lot of work to do in order to get themselves in shape for the start of next season. However, some positive news has come out of South London over the last 24 hours, Marley. Christian Ben. Teke, the striker, the Belgian, who will be going to the Euros with his national side, has signed a two-year extension onto his contract. Has he done enough to earn it would be my first question because he's had a strong end to the season, but before that, there certainly were a few question marks. Well, the Premier Premier League's on lookout for another two years, aren't they? Ben Teke is staying at Selhurst Park. Um, <laughs> yeah, now, to be fair, he, he had a really good season. Um, I think we, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago when, when Jim was like, isn't it, isn't it funny how he starts playing well when his contract's running out at the end of the season? But uh, yeah, there could be something in that. I think in his two or three years previous, he got three, four, five goals, and then he ended up with ten or ten or eleven this this year. So he's still he's still a threat. Um, he's still fantastic in the air. So I think it was worth keeping him more than um, letting him go and then trusting to get a replacement because you know strikers are and not easy to come by. Um, you got to pay a lot of money for them, obviously, and I'm not sure how much Crystal Palace have got lying in the transfer war chest because I think most of what they would would want to uh, want to buy with is probably tied up in possibly selling Zaha, like they've they've been flirting with for years and years. But yeah, Benteke is a a smart signing. I think he's on a big wage, so I don't know what the the wage sort of situation is. Whether he's came down a little bit. Um, but obviously that could help massively because um, the wage budget at Crystal Palace is far bigger than you'd expect it to be of a team that finishes 
basically nowhere every, every year. They're, you know, sort of a just one of them clubs that you just forget about because they're just sort of mid-table and they'll win one, then they'll lose one, then they'll draw one, then they'll lose one, then they'll win one, and it's kind of, you know, that's Crystal Palace. They're, they're hard to predict, but also not the most exciting team. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of work to do this summer still, um, but Benteke is a, a smart one. I think he was better to keep him than, than to let him go, so fair play. Yeah, certainly, I mean, that extension takes him to seven years at the club and the wages there, I'm sure, uh, are, are quite significant, but they do have plenty of players out of contract, so maybe they, they are factoring it in. The club's also in talks with Nuno Espirito Santo, allegedly, Leon, uh, over the past week in terms of possibly taking over the vacant role left by Roy Hodgson. Can you see that one working? For me, I see Crystal Palace as a step down from Wolves. I don't know whether that's just because they're a smaller club or am I being harsh on Palace, do you think? No, I think you're being very fair, Niall. Um, I think if Nuno takes the Palace job, you'd have to question his reasons. Um, He was building something at Wolves and to take them from the championship into European football was a phenomenal achievement. He obviously lost his main uh, goal threat um, for what was it three quarters of the season he lost Jimenez mm. after a horrific injury against Arsenal Yeah. so mm. I mean I think personally speaking now if Nuno was to go to Everton and um, there's plenty of money there there's a new stadium coming that would seem uh, more of a good move for him than moving to Crystal Palace I mean I'm just looking at the betting that we have um, at Boyle Sports at the moment for the next permanent Palace manager and Swansea's manager Steve Cooper is obviously slight favourite at six to four. Then Nuno comes in at seven to four. Eddie Howe, who we all thought was going to Celtic, which is not happening, he's five to two. And Sean Dyche is in there at four to one. So Frank Lampard was rumoured a couple of weeks ago. I don't see Lampard taking that job, personally speaking. Um, and I'm going to stick. If Palace could get someone like Sean Dyche, and if they gave him a bit of money, I haven't heard anything in relation to Dyche whether he's committed to staying at Burnley or whether he's open to moving on. I mean, we spoke about him at length on the podcast and the job he's done with Burnley season after season is remarkable. He has just done, he's worked wonders with no budget, with a small squad to keep them in the Premier League every year. Hats off to him because he's done a really fine job. And if I was Palace and if I was a Crystal Palace supporter, he'd be the type of manager I'd want at Selhurst Park. Because I think with Benteke signing on for two years, that would be music to Sean Dyche's ears. He's got a big man. He's got a big <laughs> number nine. And they would play to suit Benteke. And I think, Saha, this could finally be the summer where they might have to sell him to try and get some funds in to help whoever takes over. Because they will need to sign some players. There's no doubt about that. But I agree with Marley. Keeping Benteke... Okay, you might be paying him a bit more than what he's worth, but you don't have to go out into the market to try and re-sign a decent striker. And the one thing about Benteke, he hasn't been that great of a a success for Palace, but last season just gone, maybe he did want a new deal, but you know there's talent in there. And you know now he's signed for two more years. And if you got someone like Sean Dyche in, I think that would suit Benteke as well. 
Yeah, it's a good point. Nuno Santo allegedly in talks with Crystal Palace, but they do have options. Plenty of managers out of work looking for a job at the moment. Some of the names that Leon mentions, Eddie Howe and and Sean Dyche and the like. You can obviously find out the latest odds over on boilsports.com or the Boyle Sports app. T's and C's apply 18 plus. Bet responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. Now, Marley, you're our social media guy here at Sports Social, so you know everything when it comes to memes. You know that meme from the old video game GTA San Andreas where it's, oh, here we go again. Well, (laughs) we are here again because the Times are reporting Wilfred Zaha wants out of Crystal Palace, as Leon's just mentioned, once again. We've spoken about this the last two summer transfer windows here on Football Social Daily. Leon thinks this could finally be the summer. What do you think? I don't know. It's Groundhog Day, isn't it? Um, it's just, it's every time, isn't it? It's every time the window opens. You know, they say, Zaha, you know, what about Zaha? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I'd love to play at the top uh, the top of the game. And then... Gets you know, linked with Arsenal, he finished 10th. <laughs> yeah, yeah, word gets around. Does anyone want him? No. Uh, you know, nah, sorry. Not not for the price he is and the age he is and the talent he's got. It, it, the whole deal doesn't add up. It hasn't added up for three years. He's been trying to leave every window um, and it just never works. It never materialises. So I can't can't sit here with any confidence and say this is the year, um, even though it makes more sense this year because they need to use the money elsewhere. So if you can get £60 million for him and go and sign three players at £15 million each, you know, you're adding more to the squad there than, than just Sahar. But they're so scared of taking that risk. And it's understandable because he's by far the best player and they've got no Eze for the next uh, year, 18 months probably. So you're talking um, you're talking like it's, it's a really big risk. But, I mean, if it's a sign for me of, of, of how Palace are that, you know, the fans are like, oh, but does he, does he really want to leave? Like yesterday I put on the, the Sports Social Twitter account, like, oh, here we go again. He's trying to leave again. And a Palace fan responded with, yeah, but is he though? Because, you know, or is it just press talk? And there's there's literal quote in the in the article, mate, like that says, I want to play at the top level. And the Crystal Palace aren't at the top level. So like a lot of a lot of the fans are sort of in denial that he'll stay and he, that he wants to stay and he's got the club at heart. But for for mm. a month, but a couple of summers ago, January, slash you know? Januarys ago. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of couple of windows ago. People were saying he was priced out of it, Marty, because Palace wanted £80 million and he is their most important player and probably their best player when he's on form. Yeah. Is he still worth that in this post-pandemic? I say post-pandemic, in this pandemic market. Was he ever worth that? No, he might have been worth that to them in terms of his value yeah. to the team, but in terms of his actual market value, I'd say probably not. But do you think they're going to get anywhere near what they want uh, and you know this whole idea of him being priced out of a move is that a fair assessment um i think he yeah they, they probably will because they want I, I understand where palace are coming from they they want a a, a big return and a, a number that re, um reflects what he's worth to them but that number is far you know far beyond what he's actually worth in my opinion so you know, if you sold him for forty million, someone might be interested. But is forty million a lot of money in this market to to go and get two or three players? It's it's probably not. I mean, they spent was it they spent fifteen million on on that Mateta from from Mainz on an eighteen oh, month yeah, of course. eighteen month loan, mm. and he's done nothing. So that's that's mm. kind of one of those things where you, you know you just can't be sure of what's going to happen. So 
they seem very conservative in the market and scared of taking risks and that just that just sums up Crystal Palace. That's why they're an ultimately pretty forgettable club because they just float along treading water, happy to, to not bother anyone in the top ten and not, not go for anything and it's not you know, at some point you have to take a chance. Um and it probably comes down to you might have to sell Zaha while he's got two years left on his contract because next year he's going to have a year left and he's going to be 29. And he's going to be worth 20 million tops. So if you can get 40 now, 40 now is better than 20 in a year's time, isn't it? So, you know, why not Why not just sell him and take that plunge? I know it's a big thing, but when you've got a new manager coming in anyway, you know, he might change the system to work in in a different way and have that fresh start. But it, I think most of the, I mean, the ten players or whatever it is that that are all out of contract. I can see, I can see seven or eight of them signing one year extensions because that's what Crystal Palace will do. They'll play it safe, and they'll go, f- they'll go for a, a safe pair of hands. So yeah. I'm laughing because we give Crystal Palace absolute dogs abuse on this podcast. We're horrible <laughs> about Crystal Palace on Football Social Daily. Apologies, any Palace fans <laughs> listening. Leon, have you got they any? Do, they do what they do. That's it. They do what they do, and it, it works. And f- that's fine. But also, you know, are you really happy finishing thirteenth every year when you've got you've got a bit of money? You're in you're in decent shape, Crystal Palace. So hmm. you know, why not why not roll the dice a little bit? Never never know. won a major trophy in 106, 107 years of history as well. Remarkable, really. <laughs> uh, have you got anything nice to say, Leon, about Crystal Palace? Any positives? Because uh, me and Marley are um, twisting the knife in here. <laughs> Well, it's one of those old school football grounds. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, they can certainly get going um, um, at Selhurst Park. But look, you'd like to see them have a goal one yeah. season, yeah. wouldn't you? You know, you'd like to see them actually say, do you know what? Let's spend a few quid. Let's see, could we finish seventh? Mm. Let's have a go. I mean, their fans have got to be fed up every single season with just the same. Oh, it's like it's it's you know what's going to happen with Palace, up down draw, up down yeah. draw. It's just it, it it's it's like that every single year. At the moment, when you look at that squad, and you can see the frustration with a player of Wilfried Zaha, he's better than that football club. Like, let's not make you know we've got to say it as it is. He could play for a better team like a West Ham, like an Everton. Is he going to get into a top, top side like a City, a Chelsea, a Liverpool? In my opinion, no. Would he be a good squad player there? Yes. But I don't think he's going to settle for that. So I think he's got to look just below the top echelon of the Premier League club, personally speaking, because I don't think he's going to be a guaranteed starter for those three clubs that I just mentioned. Would he fit back in at Manchester United? That might be the biggest... Um, shock in the world. I think he moved there too young. It all just happened a little bit too quickly for him. But Zaha wants to play with better players. And I'm sure he's fed up finishing mediocre every single season. But Palace, you'd love to see them spend a few quid and have a go. They're not going to get relegated. No, They're not going to get relegated, but they might just do something 
that might give their fans something to talk about. And actually, Sophie, who we work with here at Sports Social, she's a Norwich City supporter, and she says she's actually preferred the championship seasons because Norwich are winning, and it's always nice to be winning, Leon, isn't it? It's always nice to be top of the league and being successful than she has done in the Premier League because, you know, even though it's a a relegation battle and you've still got something to fight for, it's so much more enjoyable when you do have a cause and something to to try and fight for. And Burnley got into Europe, you know, your old pal Sean Dyche got Burnley into Europe. So, you know, why can't Palace? I mean, that that seventh spot now gets, what is it, Europa Conference League. So they should surely be aiming for that at least once or twice every now and again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And nobody can really say to me over the years that Palace haven't had as good a squad, if not better than Burnley. I mean, it is possible. But you've just got to show a little bit of creativity in the transfer market. Go out there and spend a few quid. But, you know, your point about Norwich, look, the same can be said about Brentford. What a fantastic achievement there for them. They're coming up to the Premier League. And their fans have been right up the top in the Championship for the last two seasons. They obviously got beaten in the playoff final in the season gone past before this one, but then they went up. But this is going to be an entirely different experience for them. But it's one that every fan should embrace. Every fan of a lower league club, if you get to the Golden Goose, which is the Premier League, even if Brentford were to go straight back down, who's to say that they won't go straight back up because of how well that club is run? But with Palace, we're talking about an established Premier League club now for the past number of years. Mm. They're in no danger of being relegated, absolutely none whatsoever. So have a go. And if Steve Parrish is listening, spend a few quid (laughs) because you've made a lot of money. You've made a lot of money. And because and I don't I don't disagree with how he's run the club as a business because they're in no financial difficulty. So hats off to him for doing mm. the job that well. But now is the time to go out there and actually splash a few quid and have a go. Why not? Come on, Steve. Get your hand into your pocket, mate. Come on. We want to see some big name they've, signings uh, pitching up at Selhurst Park. They've got that money as well. I mean, it might not be much money, but they've got that thing launching today on, on Amazon Prime Video, the, um, the documentary, uh, which is kind of like um, the Man City and Leeds documentaries that we've seen. And I think it's called When Eagles Dare, but... As a new surely you're going to sit down and watch it because I'm not. They've, I'm sorry, but I mean, it would be the most only good those documentaries. Yeah, they're only Don't. good those documentaries when something exciting happens. Yeah, I mean, I think it documents ten years ago. Though. I think, I think it's, I think it's they followed the club for ten years and it was them getting into the Premier League and ever since they've been in the Premier League, it's been very, very solid but unspectacular. So I think that's what the documentary focuses on. But it annoys me these documentaries, unless something happens during the season. So like Tottenham obviously yeah, like brought Spurs, sacked yeah. Poch, brought in Mourinho, and now they've got rid of Mourinho and brought in probably Conte, as we've discussed already today. So, I mean, at least there's a bit of drama there. But if you were following Palace's last six seasons in the Premier League, <laughs> pick, a, God, fall asleep. pick a highlight. There we go. Anyway, enough. It's, uh, it's going to st- be 40 minutes of Roy Hodgson deciding what he wants for his uh, tea <laughs> and then try, trying, to, uh, trying to work his sat-nav to get back to uh, the Croydon base. <laughs> That interview with Roy Hodgson having to go at a reporter saying that he's taking the <laughs> I think that's the best thing that I think that's the best thing that I've seen from a Palace perspective. Anyway, sorry Palace fans if you are listening. Um but yeah, we'd love to see you have a bit of a go next season. Anyway, Benteke signed a new Palace deal, could be a new manager through the door at Selhurst Park soon. Of course, when those things do happen and new managers are announced, we'll bring you all the latest information over on our website, sport-social.co.uk. Don't forget that we will have uh, podcasts next week as well. And then a week today, the Euros begins and then we're back to a much busier 
schedule covering all the European Championships games for you as well as the latest top flight gossip. So that's it from us today on Football Social Daily. Thanks very much, Leon. Thank you, Marley. My name's Niall. Hit subscribe, that way you won't miss the next one. And we'll catch you again soon here on Football Social Daily. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.